part two of the series on relationships. Again, I can't go through everything, can't review everything. I tried to do that in the first service, and I had a rush at the end, so I don't want to do that. So you're going to need to go and listen to the message from last week. But listen, I'll just hit some of the high points. Relationships are meant to both be a blessing and a vehicle for bringing the presence of God into our lives. When we are in a good, healthy, godly, God-centered relationship, when our priorities are right, that relationship can bring the presence of God into the lives of everyone who's involved in that. Now, if you flip that, if we're not careful, it can become a source of grief, of aggravation. Uh, it's supposed to be a place where, we're, where we have powerful prayer in our, with, with people that we're in relationship with. Um, it's a place where we're supposed to share our burdens. We're supposed to carry our troubles together. Amen? But it doesn't always happen that way. And how many of you, let me see your show of hands. Let me see your hands. How many of you have at some point in time, hopefully not now, have been involved in a relationship that went bad? Let me see. Just, just a couple. Just. How many of you want to tell the truth? Let's see your hands. Okay. You got even less hands that time. Okay. So, I'm just going to throw this out at you today. In this part two, it's going to get rough, okay? Because we got to talk about the facets of bad relationships, what to look for. And ultimately, we're going to talk about how do we recover from bad relationships. How many of you know people that never recovered from bad relationships? I hope it's not you. I hope there's still time, you're still breathing. But we all know people that did not recover from a bad relationship. So, one of the worst traits, I'm going to do a little quick review again. One of the worst traits from our society that has crept into the church is this over-exaggerated sense of self-importance. This idea that we're first and heck with everybody else and my needs have to be first and I have to be satisfied and I have to be content. It's me, 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 me. That is probably one of the greatest things that's destroying relationships. Because the number one sign of a bad relationship is one or the other is trying to get life out of the relationship instead of bringing life into the relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you might not even realize that you're in a relationship because of what somebody could do for you or what they're providing for you or how they make you feel or all this other kind of things. And I, you hear people say, they make me feel so good when I'm with them. Honey, it can't be about you feeling good. It's got to be about what do you want to invest in this relationship so that the other person's needs are met. Yes, amen. Yeah, that goes over real big all the time. And you can tell how... <laughs> how this has affected us because some of you sat there and went, wait a second, that's not the way I'm understanding things because if I'm not content, if my needs are not met, then I'm not going to be happy. Well, boo-hoo. Because <laughs> you're going to find out, you came here this morning to find out that you're not the center of the universe. And the, the universe does not revolve around whether you're happy or not. The kingdom of God doesn't rest or fall on whether you're happy or not. If the kingdom of God is only about making us happy and that you never have challenges in life and we never struggle in life, then how are you going to stand in eternity before the person that was fed to the lions back in the Colosseum in the early church? Because they didn't have a good day that day. And that lion chomping into them didn't make them feel good. 
You understand where I'm going with this? Okay, turn to somebody and say, oh, we're in for a tough one today. But it's going to be good. You got weak on that part. Turn to somebody and say, but it's going to be good. I just love going to church because it makes me feel good. Uh, honey, not today. So this concept of over-exaggerated self-importance is what's destroying marriages, it's destroying families, destroying relationships, because the truth of the matter is we are not the center of all things. But God loves me, and I'm special. Yeah, uh, he loves me too. And he loves the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, okay? You see how bad we don't like that? We don't like that. But I'm special. And what do you want to do with this one? Matthew 22, verse 35. Then one of them, the them are the Pharisees, the religious people, a lawyer asked him, speaking of Jesus, a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire, Jesus is saying the entire Bible is fulfilled in those two commands. Love God more than anything else. Love neighbors like you would want to be loved. You notice that we're not in there except for the yourself part? One of our Bible instructors in Bible school used to say, you know, when you're single, when you're single, you're like the shining thing in your life. And, and you know, you're like the, the, the pot on the front burner. You know what I'm talking about? The pot on the front burner. That's you, because you, you, the, the whole stove is yours. <laughs> you get married, and what happens? You go to the back burner. You have kids. You're off the stove altogether. <laughs> it's not about you anymore. Okay? That is the Christian life. Aren't you glad you came here today? That is the Christian life. Because the truth of the matter is, our greatest contentment, our greatest fulfillment is found when we throw ourselves into someone else's life. When we're not doing it to see what I can get. When we're not doing it because it makes me feel so good. And even some people come to church. Go, Why do you go to church? It makes me feel good. But what are you going to do when, when, when the Bible teaches things that are tough for us to accept? And we're going to, t- we're going to touch on some of them today. All right, it's good for us. It's good for us. So turn to somebody and say, it's going to turn out okay. So, now, I'm going to assume that everyone in this room is a bona fide Biblically accurate, correct, born again, child of God. Okay? Since you are, and if you are not yet, by the, end of the, by the end of the service today, you'll have that opportunity to do that. But listen to me. The New Testament now, once you get past the book of Acts, between the book of Acts and the book of Revelation, the rest of that, all of those letters there, are sent to the Christians in the churches. They are there for instruction. Are you catching this? So you're going to find that as you study that, you're going to come to the realization that all of that instruction is to the church, to Christians, to people who are on their way to heaven, 
but still have issues in their soul, okay? So when the more issues we have in our souls, the more that's going to infect, in a bad way, those relationships. Because if you got stuff in your soul, you got issues in your life that are unresolved, might be even areas of disobedience, areas of sin, those things are going to affect your relationships. So we're going to go to a couple of different portions of Scripture. Here's what you're going to get, get. Get this in your heart right now. We're going to learn what I have to get rid of, and we're going to learn what I have to keep my focus on. Okay, you getting this? We're going to learn, number one, what? What to get rid of. And sometimes the Bible says put off. Okay, might use that terminology. And what we're going to put on. Okay. All right, I'm going to trust you. Let's go. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, if, and, and watch this now. I, I, I'm a stickler for this kind of stuff. That word if bothers me. And truthfully, if you look it up, it should have really, be, it should have really been translated since. Since is an established fact. If kind of like leaves you with the question, well, maybe I'm not. But that's not the way it reads in the original language. It's since. So let's, listen to how much better it sounds. Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And going to be, we're going to find out the reason why that's important. Let's go. Set your minds. Set, set. That means you have a choice to either set or not to set. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, now, let's stop there for a second. Why is it necessary for the Holy Spirit to give us, through the Apostle Paul's writings, this command to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth, focus ourselves on that place where Christ is? Here's the reason. You and I are three-part in nature. I got to keep doing this and keep doing this because in the natural, there's so much emphasis on that one part of who we are, our soul, that we forget that we're three-part in nature. You are a spirit. The real person who you are is not this thing that's carrying you around right now. The real person that you are is the spirit that God birthed and created, okay? When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, that your spirit came alive to God and according to the book of Hebrews is perfect in his sight, okay? So, So in a relationship, when two people have problems, Those problems are not coming from their spirit. Those problems are coming from the next facet of a human being. That is your soul. You are spirit. You possess a soul. And your spirit and soul live in this body. Now, someday, we're going to put off this body. Okay? You understand that? But in the meantime, while we're here on this earth, while you're breathing, everybody go... While you're breathing, the potential problems that you're going to bring into somebody else's life is never going to come from your spirit because it's already been made perfect. The problems are going to come from where? Your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, the things that are shaped by the things that you're exposed to. That's why the Holy Spirit says through Paul, set your minds on the things that are above. Why? Because the things that are above are not what's causing problems. In fact, 
the things that are above are giving us the instruction that we need to eliminate the problems in our relationships so that we can live at peace with one another. We can glorify God in our relationships. We can be a blessing to other people. So let's look now at the things that we've got to get rid of in our souls that are causing us problems in our relationships. Let's go. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Keep going. When Christ, who was our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Keep going. Therefore, here we go. It's going to get rough. Let's hold on to your seats. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality. Do I have to explain this? Do I have to explain this? Okay, you got it, right? So, 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 I'm going to talk to the guys first because it's predominantly a guy thing. You better be careful and be aware of what you're looking at because it's going to trigger something in your earthly body. Just let me off the hook here. Say, Pastor, we know what you're talking about. We know what you're talking about, okay? Because, no, I don't want to go any further with that. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, which tells me if this is in the order of importance, then the wrong idea or the wrong walking out of our sexuality can cause a big problem in relationships. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So treat, uh, treat as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, which is also another sexual thing, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, just stop for a second. Go back, please. Who is this letter written to? Christians. What? But I'm born again, pastor. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, your spirit is. Your spirit's not causing problems on the earth. It's your soul that's causing problems. So in other words, a born-again, spirit-filled child of God on their way to heaven still's got some baggage to deal with on the earth. Amen. Come on, guys. That should be good news. Not that we know we have the problems, but we know that there's answers to the problems we have in our souls. You don't have to carry this baggage around the rest of your life, okay? Um, let's go to the next verse. For it is because of these things, what? The sexual immorality, the impurity, uh, the passion, the evil desire, the greed. He said it's because of these things, the wrath of God, the punishment of God is coming upon who? Come on, guys, read it. The who? Sons of disobedience. Stop. Next verse. And in them you also once walked. In other words, you're not now, as far as God's concerned, but you're still messing up your relationships. So this isn't a threat that if you don't stop doing this, you're going to go to hell because you going to hell, the issue was already dealt with. But stop messing up your relationships. Stop causing grief and pain and wounds in the people around you. That's what God is interested in. Are you listening? Are you getting this? Are you learning anything? Yes. All right, I'm going to keep going. Um, next verse. But now also, we're not done with the list yet. 
You notice he put the most important ones in the beginning, the things that really, really, really could divide relationships and hurt people. Okay? I don't know that there's anything worse than sexual abuse. I don't know if there's anything worse. There's some of you in this room. I'm not going to ask you to blink, raise your hand, anything. You suffered abuse when you were a child, and it carried through your whole life. That is the worst kind, of, worst kind of abuse you can put somebody through. That's why he deals with it first. But now you also rid yourselves. Remember what we said? The instructions are for what to get rid of, what to hold on to. You getting this? But now you also rid yourselves of all of them, anger, wrath, in other words, explosive rage, malice, having a bad heart towards somebody, slander, gossiping, obscene speech from your mouth. It, my mind implodes when I see a Christian get on Facebook and start dropping the F-bomb. What is wrong? Of course, nobody in here would ever do that. What is wrong with a... You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to think different, talk different, act different. And then, and then tomorrow, you're going to put a scripture on there and you expect people to pay attention to it. Let's go. Do not lie to one another since you have stripped off the old self. Oh, Christians lie to one another? Christians lie to one another? Yeah. That's why when you call the office and you want us to recommend somebody in a business that comes to the church, we'll tell you, we're sorry, we're not going to do that. Because Christians lie to each other. I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying all the time. But you see, you come into a relationship, like with me, when I first got born again, I thought everybody in the church was like Jesus Moses, and then that person in the church. When I found out that Christians had flaws, that they could still lie, that they could still be dishonest, that they could still steal, that my mind exploded. Like, what's going on here? Now, of course, then I also found out that I still had flaws and could still sin. So then you, you level things out in your head. But watch this now. We know that now about each other, but we've got a world outside that we're trying to reach that still thinks it's Jesus, Moses, and then you. And they're watching how we conduct ourselves in our relationships. Is this getting good yet? So I need to set my mind on the things that are above. Why? Because that's where I'm going to get the help that I need. Okay? So... If we're going to have godly relationships, we're going to have to get rid of the things in our behavior that do not speak love, the things that do not speak love. Now, if we wanted to go back, and I don't, we'd say, well, does sexual immorality speak love? Absolutely not, because sexual immorality is always rooted in selfishness. It's always looking to get something from the other person without the other person getting any... What am I looking for? Satisfaction out of the whole thing. Okay? Sexual immorality. All right? Uh, greed. Those things don't speak love. Our relationships are supposed to speak love. Our relationships are supposed to be a blessing. They're supposed to be a safe place where the Spirit of God can come and manifest His presence. So that in those friendships, in those relationships... You can have to say, hey, listen, could you pray for me? My family's going through this. And there's going to be power there. It's going to be good. Amen? Yeah. So 
We need to put on the things that speak love. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, the chosen of God, holy and beloved, we, we, we saw what to get rid of. Come on, guys, please don't check out on me. We saw what to get rid of. Now we're going to see what we have to put on. Okay? Put on tender mercies, yes. kindness, humility, yes. Yes. meekness, long-suffering. In other words, patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But you don't know what they did to me. Honey, as bad as it can be, I don't think it could be anywhere near what we did to Jesus when he went on the cross. And if he was able to forgive you, who were you to withhold forgiveness from somebody else? Yes or no? I know we don't like to hear this stuff because we always want to think that we're the ones that have been dealt with so badly so that it justifies our ability to just hold a grudge or to, to just, you know, you keep an ace in your sleeve about that person, like, yeah, yeah I'm going to let you off here, but if, God forbid, you do something again, man, that ace is going to come out. Like, how many times are you having an argument with somebody? Well, let's not call it an argument. How many times are you having a lively debate with another person? <laughs> and, then, and then when it gets real desperate, man, that thing, whoosh, I remember when. All right, I'll keep going. So, bottom line at all these scriptures we just read was this. Put on the very character and nature of Jesus, which is what? What is the nature of Jesus? There was one word that we said, oh, love, yeah, love. But no, that's not the nature of Jesus. He is love. The nature that Jesus walked in was meekness. Now, what is meekness? Because in our society, we're taught that meekness is just being a wimp. Not having any backbone, just like a, a jellyfish is floating with the current. That's not what it means. Meekness is power under control. Jesus walked in power under control, okay? Jesus sat silent when he was falsely accused at his trial. He submitted himself to the cross, allowed the men to torture him, allowed them to nail his spikes through his wrists and his feet. He endured the mocking of his enemies, spit on him, all the while he's naked. But watch this. Throughout all of that, he possessed the power to obliterate everything and everyone that was around him, but he never used it to get revenge. He let his actions speak love. Are you able to do that? I don't think any of us is able to do that 100%, but we need to at least up our game in that area. Well, they did this to me. I'm going to do this to them. Where does it stop? Where does it stop? Somebody's got to pull the plug. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to swallow this one. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust God to heal my heart. I'm going to trust God to, to take care of me. I'm not going to try to get back at this person. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a few more minutes. <clears throat> so, there is another danger that we have to be careful of in relationships. See, Jesus said, Matthew 22, we're, who are we to love first? A couple of people. Who are we to love first? Who are we to love first? Okay. 
Here's the danger that happens in relationships. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about your own life. Think about the way you handle opposition, the way you handle challenges, the way you handle hardships. Unfortunately, the majority of people, when they get hit with a hardship, are either going to jump on Facebook, jump on their phones, either text or to call somebody else, another human being. There's only one problem with that. You are connecting yourself now and looking for solutions from another person who is as flawed and maybe sometimes more than you are. They have limitations. They are not God Almighty. And so what ends up happening that eventually will destroy the relationship and the people in it is that an individual, if you're not careful, instead of connecting yourself immediately to God, and we should be so connected to God just like we were to our mothers with an umbilical cord, okay? He's the first one we should be running to, okay? But what ends up happening is you become so dependent on another human being that you develop a state of codependency which is never healthy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Just me, you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That in a, in a, at either now or at some point in time, we're in a very, very detrimental, co-dependent relationship. And usually what happens is the person, the person that is being damaged the most will not disconnect from that relationship because you've already convinced yourself in your mind you cannot make it without that other person. Even though they're killing you, even though they destroyed your, your character, even though they destroyed your hope for the future, even though, even though you, the, the person, of course, nobody in here would be that stupid, but the person will not pull out of that relationship because they, they convince themselves, and I think the enemy comes in and kind of strengthens that, where are you going to go? How are you going to make it? And people get stuck. But listen, if you will begin to put God first, you will start training your personality and training your soul to be dependent on God first when hardships come. And then secondary, you will go to an individual for some support or some, some strength or whatever. But primarily, if you're going to have good relationships, you're going to have to make God first in your life. Amen. Can I get a good amen? amen. Thank you. So, the truth is, it's only in Christ that you are made full. It's only in Christ that you are made complete. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You know, one translation says, have been made complete. He is the head over every power and authority. I am complete in him. He must be the first person I go to in a crisis. Love God with all your heart, then your neighbor as yourself. Having wrong priorities will undermine a relationship. And, and not only that, not only that, maybe that other person doesn't want to be in that codependent relationship. But you end up putting so much pressure, not you, but the person ends up putting so much pressure on that other individual that you're destroying the relationship anyway. None of us can take the place of God in another person's life. But when you're, when, if you find yourself constantly putting pressure on somebody else, you gotta go get another job. We got, the guy's got three jobs. Right. Got to go to another job. Got to bring more money in the house. We got to do, we got to do this different. We got to do that. I need this. I need that. Why aren't you there for me? Two full-time jobs and a part-time job, you're never here for Well, when are they supposed to be there? They're always working. Am I hitting a nerve this morning? Be careful. 
There's only one individual in your life that you can go to to be your provider, to be your strength, to be your joy, to be your emotional support, to be the one who's good. And it is not the person sitting next to you, and it is not the person you might have left at home this morning. It is God Almighty. And when you try to put that kind of pressure on another human relationship, you're going to be disappointed. Get your priorities right. Stop doing that to people. Oh, Lord Jesus, where do I go now? Okay. Okay, remember, human relationships always involve humans. That's an earth-shattering one, right? <laughs> human relationships always involve humans. Why is that important? Because humans are flawed. You may think you're perfect, but we all found out already. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Every human being that you're ever going to come in contact with throughout your life is not perfect. They're flawed, Okay. Remember, all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's standard, okay? But we still have to walk in love, right? We still want to show honor and respect to people? Yes Yes or no? And sometimes you you have to overlook a lot of what goes on in another person's life. Amen? Do I want to get, do I want to go? My wife's not here so I can talk. I saw something that happened. Now, we've been married just in August. We were married 44 years, okay? Watch this now. Watch this now. In those 44 years, we have flipped personalities back and forth numerous times, okay? She's had to overlook a lot of my idiosyncrasies. I've had to overlook a lot of her quirks and stuff like this, okay? Um, Pam, do you remember there was a time when you and my wife and all you guys did was chew ice all the time? And it would drive me crazy. How many of you have somebody in your life where they chew ice all the time? Let me see. I would sit there and try to watch television and go to her. Would you please, my God, stop chewing this ice? It's driving me crazy. About a month ago, I'm sitting in my recliner and I realized, oh, my God, I'm chewing ice. (laughs) And now she turns around, especially if she's watching the Yankees. She turns around and goes, you have to make that noise. I went, oh. (laughs) You just reaped what you sowed all those years. You have to be able to overlook these things, okay? Yes or no? You got it. You guys are just finding out. So make sure you, okay? You got to be, if you're going to have a healthy relationship, whether it's marriage relationship, whether it's in friendships, what, what, it, what it is, business, especially in business, in the ministry, oh my God, we have to be able, they put up with so much for me. They have to be able to overlook these type of things, little idiosyncrasies and stuff like that. Otherwise, you realize we'd be fighting all the time. We'd be fighting all the time. Every time I, every time I walk into a room and the light is on, I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I just shut the light and move on. And I don't know what it is. Is it a... Like senior citizens, once you start getting into those years, why does it bother us when the lights are on all the time? I don't know what it is. It's like, oh my God, it just triggers something. But you understand, I don't want to go on with this. You got my point. You got to overlook. A, why is it that when we're only dating, we'll overlook everything? To the detriment. Everybody else is around you going, uh, this guy's not for you. No, what are you talking about? You don't understand. Man, they're hot. Honey, hot, hot is going to change. 
So you're willing to overlook the things before you're stuck in the relationship. Then once you're stuck in the relationship, and you know what I mean, once you're there and you're bound to each other, now you want to make a big deal over it? You see what I'm saying? All right, let me move on because I can get off on this stuff easy. Now, as much as we want to overlook things, this is going to get little, okay, little, it's going to get serious now. As much as we want to walk in love, as much as we want to honor, we want to respect, we want to, we want to overlook things, we want to make allowances for other people's faults, there are times when you must acknowledge the red flags or you're going to get in big trouble. Big trouble. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You ready for this? I'm going to give it to you anyway. When we associate with or spend a lot of time with people who have decided to live ungodly lives, we run the risk of mimicking their behavior, their language, and their habits. And before long, we are no longer imitating Christ in our lives. In other words, we start thinking like them, we start talking like them, we start acting like them, people who don't know God. You have a responsibility to create boundaries and borders. You have a responsibility. It's not wrong for you to make a checklist of who you want to be in relationship with. Well, I'm supposed to love everybody. Honey, loving everybody and sleeping with everybody is two different things. You don't just open your life up. Come on in. I see we need to spend some more time on this. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We believe in the word, right? Yes. Few of us do. We believe in the word, right? Yes. Well, let's believe this word. Therefore, be what? Yes. Of who? As dear children. Did you ever have your kids imitate you when, when they were little? Yeah. It's an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener. Therefore, be imitators of God as little children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Very fancy language, Paul. We thank you. Very fancy language. What's it saying? Our life, our relationships... Our personality, our character is supposed to bless God. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So then if that's going to happen, then we got to read verse 3. But fornication. What's fornication? Any type of sex outside of marriage. Biblical marriage. Any type of sex outside of biblical marriage. He said, get rid of it. But fornication and all uncleanness, that's also sexual it's also referring to our sexuality. Or covetousness, which is greed. Let it not even be named among you as fitting for the saints. Why? Because that's not imitating God. Neither filthiness, also referring to sexuality, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but what? what, what? But rather giving of thanks. Man, I'm glad I came to church this morning. We don't like to hear this especially in today's society. Excuse me, especially in today's church. We don't like to hear this. You're not going to tell me how to live. Then, honey, if that's your attitude, I'm sorry to say this, 
you better go check on whether you're saved or not. Because this word should be life to you. If it's causing you to rise up against it, something's wrong, and it ain't the word. I'm going to keep going. We have to be careful. Uh, let me finish the rest of this. For, for this you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no greedy person who is an idolater, because in order for you to be greedy, you've got to put that thing before even God, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. There's a lot of churches right now, right now as I'm speaking, that are speaking empty words. They will not tell anybody what those scriptures say. They don't want to offend anybody that's shacking up. They don't want to offend anybody that's gone off into sexual immorality. They don't want to offend anybody that's gone off into perversion. They don't want to offend anybody that's greedy. They don't want to offend anybody that's, that uses obscene language. Don't want to offend anybody. And so what do you do? You pacify people until they go to hell. If you want to hear that, there's plenty of places you can go. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, what things? The sexual immorality, the uncleanness, the, 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 the greed, all of these things that we listed. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's the second time that Paul gives us a warning in his letters. Therefore, look at this. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. What's that saying? You can't be in relationship with just anybody. You cannot be in relationship with just anybody. Because most of the time, you're not going to lift them up. They're going to drag you down. But aren't we supposed to walk in love? Yeah, walk in love from 20 feet away. Walk in love. The best thing you could do is not be a partaker because now it seems like you're endorsing that conduct. Are you listening to me? Yes. I'm not saying <coughs> curse the person, uh, turn, turn your nose up. The, what I'm saying is you can't let what's on them who do not yet know Christ get on you. Have a friendship. Be there for them. Serve them when things are tough. Do what you need to show love, but be careful that you do not become a partaker with them. How many times have you seen a breakup in a relationship or a divorce because a previously pretty healthy, fairly content couple all of a sudden started hanging around with somebody else that either was just at a breakup or just got divorced? How many times have you seen that affect then the contentment that was once in that relationship? Look, those of us who raised kids, those teenage years, all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize... What happened to this kid? Did the aliens come during the night and possess his body? Because something's wrong. This child is not acting the way they normally do. I'll guarantee you, the majority of the times you're going to trace it to that young individual hanging out with somebody that they previously were not hanging out with before. So why is it okay for you to observe that in your children, but you think you're going to get away with it? Paula White, you can watch her on TV every day. Famous preacher said this, when God wants to bless you, how does he do it? He sends people into your life. When the devil wants to destroy you, how does he do it? He sends people in your life. 
you better know the difference. So I can be a friend to anyone, watch us now, but not everyone should I allow to speak into my life. Is this too practical today? Is this too real? Because what I'm telling you, if you listen, this is going to save you some heartache. How do I know? I've had to learn some of these things the hard way. You listening to me? We can be friends with everybody, but you don't let everybody speak into your life. You do not. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I'm going to hang out with the people that are more mature than I am, people that have more life experience, people that have more godly influence. I, I don't want to hang around with somebody who's worse than me. Do you? No. Proverbs 22, 24, don't befriend angry people or associate with the hot-tempered people as you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Listen, if somebody's always complaining or thinks that they know better than everybody else, or can't take orders from their superiors, or just do not have a personality that will submit, I'm not going to hang around with that person. Why? I don't want to become a rebel. I don't want to have a rebellious attitude come on me. You listen? As much as, well, I have my own personality. I'm strong. I could, I, don't give me that garbage. Because sooner or later, that stuff's going to start seeping into your soul. You're going to start thinking that way. You're going to start, you're going to start talking that way. You're going to start acting that way. So, 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? The answer is they can't. They can't. So now, let's, 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 let's kind of gather, let's wrap up this portion. Got one more thing to share with you that I think is going to be a help, okay? We can be friends with anyone, but you don't just let anyone speak into your life, Okay? If, you, if, if, if somebody comes into your life and you realize, and it doesn't take long, in a few conversations, that this person is bitter, they're hard-hearted, they've just been brutalized, maybe from a breakup in a relationship, do you think they're going to have good things to say about marriage and about relationships? Of course not. And all it takes is one thing in you to trigger. That person will say, yeah, my husband or my wife used to do this, that, and you go, well, my husband's doing that now. My wife's doing that now. And what happens? Bam, there's a the trigger. You need to be careful. Do not ignore red flags. Red flags are there because God is wanting you to see ahead of time, this is what you're gonna have to contend with in this relationship. You listening to me? Yes. Now, can I, can I, I wish we had a lot more younger people in here. I mean, like, you know, under 20. As much as you, you, can, you can, if you have kids under 20, you can go home and tell them, Pastor Joe said this today. As much as you think your parents are stupid and they don't know anything right now, I'll tell you one thing you can trust. You can trust that they have a radar on the inside. And when you bring that person home, regardless of who it is, they know on the inside, this is for them, this is not. This is for my daughter or for my son, this one is not. You need to pay attention to that. And they might not always be right, but it's better to be safe than to be sorry. Why is that? Because a person outside of your relationship who is not emotionally involved can see things that you're not or you're overlooking them because of the emotional bond, the emotional connection, okay? And so the emotional connection usually gets started in, when you're young. They're hot. She's hot, he's hot, okay? But again, like I said before, hotness changes, 
And that, did, you ever see that, did you ever see that little post somebody posted about Barbie, what she looks like at 60 years old? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? It ain't the same Barbie doll. So that Barbie or that Ken eventually is going to change. So, so, so if the relationship was only built on they're hot, what are you going to do when they're cold? Okay? And then now, now what happens is as you get older, and this is the tragedy of multiple relationships, as you get older, it's not so much the hot anymore that's attractive. It might be the wallet. It might be the car. It might be the house. It might be the career. Wallets can empty fast. Houses can go. Cars can go. Careers can disappear. So who are you going to be left with if your relationship was only based on what you can get? If I can get my hands on their wallet, if I can get my hands, if I can get in that house, if I can get in that car, what's going to happen when those things change? You can't build a relationship on what you're going to get. You build a relationship, number one, because you feel like God is drawing you in relationship with that person. And this doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could be business relationship. It could be friendship. It could be uh, people in your neighborhood that, you know, everybody has one of those in the neighborhood that always wants to be in your house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Always, yeah, always looking to get in your house. Okay. You got to watch those kind of people. I don't think I should have to tell you that. But some of, us, some of us can make the mistake get flattered. They want to see my house. No, they're just nosy. And they just want to be jealous of you because they might, you might have something they don't have yet. And that drives people crazy. So what am I saying? What am I talking about to them? Am I just rambling? What I'm saying is this. Please don't ignore the, the red flags in relationships. Sometimes people come into our life for us to learn some things. But it doesn't have to be a life sentence. You listening to me? All right, I hope so. I got to wrap this up. Okay, how to recover from bad relationships, okay? How to recover from bad relationships. Number one, keep your eyes on God. Get them off the person. Keep your eyes on God. Get them off the person. Say that with me. Keep your eyes on God. Get them off the person. Now, realize you're better off just you and God than being in a destructive relationship. Now, watch this now. I am not talking about marriage because it's inevitable. Somebody's going to walk out here today and say, Pastor just confirmed it. We're done. I don't want to be in a relationship with you. No, no. There's only two things in the Bible that release a person from a marriage. Number one is if the uh, spouse does not want to be a believer. Now, it doesn't say you have to go, but it says if they want to go, let them go. Why? Because your life's going to be hell for the most part. Every once in a while, you find somebody. I know some people in our church uh, so, some individuals throughout the years where they were Christians, but the spouse didn't want to be bothered, and the spouse was fine, go to church, I'm going to do my own thing, and they were able to live civilly with each other. But that normally doesn't happen. It's normally the other way. The other thing is adultery. When adultery, is, when adultery occurs between marriage, in a marriage relationship, the Bible releases the offended party to go. But you don't have to. I've seen plenty of relationships where adultery came in the middle to try to destroy the marriage and they forgave and they moved on and the marriage became stronger than anything. And, and the most important part is you gotta forgive anyway. Even if you're not still with the person, you gotta forgive why? If not, you're gonna carry that hurt into the next relationship. 
Now you got some poor sucker that wasn't even involved in the original problem, and this guy walks into an ambush. Are you listening to me? It's just facts of life, right? You got to forgive. You got to, even if the person's 100% wrong, you still have to forgive. For your sake, otherwise you're going to carry all those wounds, the betrayal, the lack of trust. You're going to carry all that, and you're going to now undermine the next relationship that you're going. You got it? Keep your eyes on God. Get them off the person. Trust God to help you recognize when a relationship has become detrimental. Because so many people state, again, not marriage. You need to work on that. Now, let's balance it out. If you're in a marriage relationship, and the person is kicking the out of you, if you are somebody's personal punching bag, you pack up and get out of that relationship. You don't stay there. You're not anybody's punching bag. Are you getting this clear? Why do I feel like I'm talking a different language today? Are you getting this clear? You don't stay in an abusive relationship. You know, if somebody's beating you up and they're abusing you physically, uh, emotionally, mentally, whatever, you get out of that relationship, Okay. Oh, my God, I can go to so many different places right now. Well, I'll give him another chance. Well, it was my fault. I made him mad. Honey, you are ignoring the red flags. I don't want to do your funeral. You are ignoring the red flags. You giving, well, I'll give him, I know, you know, I, you know, he was good for a while and I forgave him. And, no, what you're teaching him is how to do it better without getting caught. Amen. Somebody should have said amen. amen. All right, to recover, again, forgive and move on. We talked about that. How do I forgive when it hurts so much? Remember how much you've been forgiven. Jesus suffered a horrible death because of our sin. And he forgave us. If he can forgive us, we can forgive one another. Amen? Amen. Realize that it's costing the both of you not to forgive. Ask God for his help to forgive. Remember that it's not going to happen overnight. Make the decision to forgive. Now listen, if you don't make a decision to forgive, this is what ends up happening. I got to say this, okay? I hope I'm not opening up any wounds. And I I hope if what I'm going to say is going to hit a nerve in your heart, I hope it does. When someone in the marriage relationship, when, when it's broken up now, what ends up happening, and this is between boyfriend and girlfriend, fiancés, or married, what ends up happening is the person who has been hurt the most will want to take vengeance on the perpetrator. And when they refuse to forgive, I've seen it even with the, the, most, the strongest Christians when they refuse to forgive, at some point, something shifts in here, and now they become vengeful. And so now, I'm not sending you my child support. I'll cut you off on my medical insurance. I'm not going to make the card payment. It is a tactic of the devil that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Satan realized that he could not control Adam and Eve, what did the next step take place? He impoverished them. He impoverished them. Poverty came into the human experience. And that's what a person does. And listen, if that's you, 
If you've done that to your ex-spouse, and especially if you have children involved, and those children have suffered indirectly because you wanted to punish that other person, I'm telling you before God, shame on you. You repent, and you change that situation around. In Malachi chapter 3, God says, woe unto him who treats, who treats treacherously the wife of his youth. Treacherously. But when you start withholding, you start impoverishing, you want to punish, I'm not fixing the car, I'm not taking care of the house, I'm not doing any of those things because you want to punish that person, guess what? You just open yourself up to a curse. But I have seen others, especially others who have done wrong, they were the cause of the marriage breakup. Give everything. Give everything. I, I, I had to give that counsel to somebody very recently. I said, you were wrong. Give that person whatever they want. Give them the house, the car, the money, whatever. Give them to them. Give them to them. Why? I don't want to see you going under that curse from Malachi chapter 3. Do not deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. You honor them. But she was. But that has nothing to do with it. You're honoring God by obeying that command. Is this too much reality today? Okay. I'm trying to help us. Because if when we disobey these instructions from the word as it pertains to relationships, you're going to end up in one or two places. You're going to either end up in, in counseling someplace and possibly a rehab, or you may end up someplace having lost your mind. You cannot disobey the commands of God and not see some type of consequence in your life. He's giving us these instructions to help us. Whatever does not speak love in your life, you've got to get rid of. You've got to put on the character and the nature of God. You've got to keep your focus on the things that are above. In this place here, the word of God, which teaches us, instructs us. Your heart has to be tender towards the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never put you in a position to act unlovingly towards someone, okay? Watch your relationships. Be careful and be aware of who you associate with, all right? Be friends with everyone, but watch out for the people that you allow to speak into your life. Why? You are opening yourself to that person's influence. And if that influence is not good, it's going to show up in your relationships at some point. Amen? Amen. I know this has been a tough message, but you know, every once in a while, we need these tough messages. We got to straighten things. We got to jerk the slack out of our lives sometimes. Amen? It's going to save us aggravation and grief in the future. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I pray to God that we implement these things and put them into action. Thank you so much. I'm not looking for that. Let's go and walk these things out. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up.